Welcome to the show, Fairways and Finance. My name is Jeff Smith. I've been in the mortgage business for 16 years, top quarter percent LO nationwide. And you know, this podcast, we want to talk about your finances, how to grow and accumulate wealth and all things related to the mortgage industry. But we're golf lovers here as well. So we're going to work in some golf. Don't worry for my golf lovers out there. We got you. And I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode today, please share it with anybody who's in your network. I'm working hard to grow this podcast and depend on referrals from from the audience like you. And I uh, would greatly appreciate you helping me to spread the word and build my brand. If there's nobody who comes to mind, leave us a five-star review. That goes a long way in helping to grow the brand as well. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Um, today we're going to be talking about accumulating wealth. So uh, this is one of my favorite topics. You know, if, if people have different reasons to accumulate wealth, they have different goals of accumulating wealth. And, and you know, there's not one right or wrong way to go about it, uh, not, not one right or wrong reason to do it. Uh, but I want to tell you a little bit about my story and, and what motivates me and, and what I'm trying to build. And, uh, you know, there, there'll be some things that you can take from that and, and hopefully inf- implement for yourself. Um, so you know, why, why do we build wealth? And, and when, I'm, when I'm talking about wealth here today, I'm talking about monetary wealth. You know, we could think about wealth in our life with a lot of different things, relationships and quality of life and where we live and all these things. But specifically today, I want to talk about accumulating financial wealth and, and why, why would we do that? You know, and so for me, my biggest thing with accumulating wealth is having freedom having the freedom to be able to make choices and do things that I want to do without being restricted by money. You know, if I want to go on a vacation, uh, I want to be able to take that vacation and see somewhere in the world. I love to golf. Uh, so if I want to be able to play a nice golf course or, or be a member at a private club, which I am, I want to be able to do that. I don't want to be restricted and I need to make those decisions because I don't have enough money. So there's a freedom component to accumulating wealth that's very important to me. Retirement goes along with that. So, you know, someday we all want to be financially independent, meaning we don't have to work to survive. And then you're truly free and you can spend your time doing the things that you most enjoy doing with the the people you love uh, to do those things the most with. And so that freedom component, I think is very, very important for me. And that's the biggest motivator for me with accumulating wealth. Stability is the next. You know, I'm uh, I'm in a 100% commission business. I've been a 100% commission uh, in a 100% commission occupation for almost 16 years. And uh, my wife, Danielle, would confirm for you, we've definitely gone through some major ups and downs over that 16 years. And I can remember when I was 25 years old, that was the first time I made 100 grand. I'm like, that's it. I'm rich. I've made it. It's all good. Let me get a Bentley and I'm on my way. I did get a Bentley. But, you know, I made that first really good year of income and started to elevate my lifestyle. And then the market promptly turned and my income went down. And all of a sudden we're accumulating credit card debt, right? And so I didn't save during those good years. And then when things turned, which they always do, and my income went down, we were in trouble and we were racking up debt. And so that's a stressful time to go through. So as you accumulate wealth, you accumulate liquid savings that you can fall back on. It gives you stability. And especially for someone in a profession like I'm in, 
when you go through those downtimes, if you've got a lot of cash reserves, then you're not racking up debt. You're not super stressed because you can fall back on that savings. Um, so stability is super, super important component of accumulating wealth. And you know, now that Danielle and I have children, we have a five-year-old girl and a seven-year-old boy, providing stability is even that much more important because we're caring for our children and need to provide a stable environment for them. And that that's so important in those young years for kids. And, and then that brings me to legacy. You know, so I want to give my kids the opportunity to live the life that they want to live. And, you know, I was very fortunate that my parents paid for my college. Uh, I was, I grew up in Seattle and, and uh, wanted to get out of Seattle and get out of the rain. And my parents told me, you know, I kind of wanted to go to school out of state. And they said, well, you could go to school out of state and pay for college yourself, or you could go in state and we'll pay for your school. So I said, perfect, I'll stay in state. And uh, went, went to college in Washington and then moved to Arizona right after that. Uh, but that got me out of school without student loan debt. And so many of our clients that we see today and so many people I talk to today have thousands of dollars of student loan debt coming out of college. And that's a huge burden. And that's a lot of debt that you have to pay off. It's a monthly payment that grows over time. And uh, for for me, for our kids to be able to get out of college debt free and have that clean slate to begin their adult lives is very important. And and I hope you know to be able to pass down assets to our kids and, and uh, create that generational wealth that will help them and in turn help their kids. And, and so the legacy goes forward. So freedom, stability, legacy, those are the, the motivating factors for building wealth. And that's what, what drives me to go for it. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about, well, how do we get there? What are the steps to get there? So the first is you've got to keep really good track of the money you're spending and you've got to save the money that you're spending. So we want to have this balance of like living a great life and enjoying the money that we have and using it while we're here because you know ultimately none of us know when when our last day is going to come. So you don't want to be so extreme with saving and so tough on yourself about never allowing yourself to enjoy the money that you have. You, you don't want to end up in a situation where you die early and you never enjoyed anything. You saved it all. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to spend everything and, and have nothing left. So there's a balance. So we've got to build a budgeting system to track this. And so so I use a system um, of having three bank accounts, uh, two checking and one savings account. So I have a primary checking account where all of our paychecks go into and I pay our bills out of that account. I have a secondary checking account that is linked to our debit card. So I will put a budgeted amount in that account each month, and that's our spending money for that coming month. And so um, if we swipe our debit card, it'll come out of that account. And then uh, at the end of the month, I'll take the money in that account and pay off our credit card. We do all of our charges on our credit card. So we've got two, two checking accounts and then a savings account. So we're putting liquid savings into the savings account. So with the savings account, we want to have a minimum of three months worth of expenses in savings in our regular bank account. So that's super liquid money that you could access at any time. That's your minimum reserve that you would tap into if you needed money right away. For someone like me who's 100% commission, I should have at least six months of monthly spending in my savings account because my income can go up and down so much month over month depending on what the market's doing. Okay, so what we do is every month the paychecks are going into our main checking account. At the end of each month, 
I pay all my bills out of that main checking account. I make sure that I save 20% of the money that was deposited into that account. So I'm saving 20% of every paycheck. So 20% goes into my savings account. Once I've hit my six months reserves, then the 20% is going into a brokerage account. So then I set up a, a, a budget for spending that month and I transfer that money into my debit checking account. And all of our expenses for the month, for the most part, we swipe on our credit card, but keeping that credit card balance within what I've got in the debit card save, uh, debit card checking account. And then at the end of the month, I'll pay off the credit card with the money that we set aside in that debit checking account. Okay, and then we've got a uh, brokerage account. So our brokerage account, we have with a financial advisor. Um, you could set up an account through E-Trade with just a balanced portfolio. And that's something we'll get into on another show. But you know, the important thing with this is that every month when you're paying your bills, you've got to hit that 20% savings. So if you're not saving 20% of your income every month, then you've got to adjust your spending or you've got to earn more money. Uh, so one of the two. And for me, you know, I, I like to spend money. I'm the spender in our relationship with Danielle and I. And so for me, having money that goes automatically to our financial advisor works best. So on the 30th of every month, there is an ACH that comes out of our main checking account to our financial advisor every single month. So I've got to make sure that that money is in there to be paid to him. And then that money goes to him and it's out of my hands and it's it's much more difficult for me to get. So the farther away from me I can get it, then the the less that I notice it's there and the less I'm likely to spend that money. So that's very important. 20% every month and then get that money out of your hands if you're someone who likes to spend. If you're someone who's really good with the savings, then you could manage your own brokerage account like in an E-Trade and you can put that 20% in there each month. 401k or IRA super important to max those as well. So you want to be putting in, like I contribute 10% of our paychecks to our 401ks every month. We're W-2 employees, so we have a 401k. If you're self-employed, you could set up an IRA. And I contribute 10% until that's maxed out. So I've got the 20% of my net checks going into savings. I've got 10% that comes out before the net checks. That's a pre-tax deduction that goes into my 401k. So you know, when you invest in a retirement account like a 401k or IRA, you're saving the federal tax on that money because it's a pre-tax contribution. So you're basically earning an extra 20 to 35, 39%, depending on your tax bracket, on that money because you're not paying tax on it. So you're essentially you know, investing with house money because money you otherwise would have paid to the IRS, now it's in your account. It's accumulating interest over time. And so that's like a 30 plus percent uh, bump in that investment. So very important to max your retirement accounts. Okay, so that's that's the monthly budgeting system. So every month you're paying the bills at the end of the month, all of them at one time. I sit down, it takes me about two hours to do, hour to two hours to do. Get the bills paid, put the savings in the various accounts, and then total up what you've got. I uh, have it all in a simple Excel spreadsheet once a month at the end of every month. Real estate. So I'm biased toward real estate because I'm in the real estate industry. Uh, but the average homeowner has a net worth 41 times the average renter. So we know that buying real estate is an excellent investment. 
And uh, it's it's behind, you know, I would say it's in front of a uh, retirement account. It's the first and best investment anybody could make. Retirement accounts would be the second best. Um, so buying that first home, if you don't own one already, is is the first step to take. Um, so, you know, a primary residence, when you own a, a primary residence, as you're making that monthly payment, you're paying down your mortgage and the value of that home goes up over time. So you're benefiting from the appreciation of the home's value and you're benefiting from paying down the balance on that loan. You also have tax advantages when it when it comes to owning a home. So depending on if you itemize your taxes, there's some tax deductions you can take advantage of. I'm not a CPA, but consult your CPA and they can go through that with you. So we, we wanna have at least a primary residence and then a secondary residence of some kind. So it could be a vacation home. Uh, it could be a vacation home that you don't rent out and you're gonna make money on that transaction over time because that home is going to go up in value and you're gonna be paying down the balance of the mortgage. You've also got interest deduction and property taxes and several write-offs that you can make there. And then purchasing an investment property. So this would be a property that you rent out. Um, so all of these we can leverage and they will accumulate value over time and give you tax advantages over time. Um, so a couple things when we're investing in real estate, like I think when you're purchasing an investment property, if you're thinking of a single family home as an investment property, a good goal with that type of property is to get a uh, rental amount that is enough to cover the cost of the mortgage and your average monthly expenses on that property. It's hard to get residential investment properties that give you a ton of cash flow, but that doesn't mean you're not making money because you're bringing in the rental income each month. That renter is paying your mortgage for you and the value of that home is going up over time. And that's really where you make your money. You know, right now, the market is, is the hottest it's been in a long time. Values in the Phoenix area are going up 30% year over year. You know, so a, a, a $500,000 home that goes up 30%, you know, that's, that's 150,000 that it's going up in value in a year. Now that's a that's an abnormal market. Uh, a more average market, uh, a home is going to appreciate at a rate of about five percent year over year. Uh, but when you add that to your tax savings and then the rental income that you're bringing in on a property, it's a good return on your investment, even if you're not pocketing money every month. So you want to think about that, you know, from the longer term perspective. Something I recommend for everybody when you own a home is to take out a home equity line of credit on your property. So a home equity line of credit is like a, uh, basically operates like a credit card. It's a revolving line of credit and you're using your home's equity with that revolving line of credit. And so you don't make payments on it unless you owe a balance. So say I take out a home equity loan for 150,000 on my home. I could just leave it sitting there at a zero balance but I've got that loan in place. I have a checkbook with it. I have a debit card with it. And at any point, if I wanted to take money off that line of credit, I've got it there as reserves. So some, some good things that you could use that line of credit for, one would be remodeling your home. So if you do a thoughtful remodel without going crazy, especially if your home is dated, that can really add a lot of value for the home. Remodeling your kitchen is where you're gonna get the most value. Uh, master bedroom would be, be next, backyard. Uh, but as long as you don't go crazy, and if you do it right, you can basically pay for the remodel with the, the increased value that you get on the home. So you could leverage a home equity line of credit 
to make those renovations. And that way you're not pulling money out of investments that you have in the stock market and losing the, the interest that you would be earning there. Having the home equity line of credit is also a good uh, reserve for most people to have. So if you've got $150,000 line of credit there, if you ran into some kind of major financial emergency, you've got that credit line there that you could tap into. A lot of times when people run into a financial emergency, they're not in a position to qualify for a loan. So it's too late to get a home equity line of credit at that point. Um, so getting that in place right away uh, it puts you in a position where it's there in case you need it. Um, you can also leverage a home equity line of credit to buy additional real estate. So if you were going to add an investment property to your portfolio and you have that $150,000 line of credit, you can take money out of the line of credit and use that as your down payment and closing costs on an investment property. So you're acquiring another property without coming out of pocket. You're using the equity in your primary residence and leveraging that to add to your real estate portfolio. So several different ways you can use that. And, uh, and I think that's a great way to go. Danielle and I have one that sits on our primary residence. Uh, we recently finished a second home. And, and once we've got that property complete, I'll take one out on that home as well and just let it sit there. Uh, and it's available if I want to leverage it down the road. Um, uh, and thinking in terms of like, we, we get people coming in wanting a 15 year mortgage and you, you know, you have, you can do anywhere from a 10-year mortgage all the way up to a 30-year mortgage. There's even some 40-year products that have come out now at a higher interest rate. Um, I am of the mindset that you should keep a 30-year mortgage until you hit your retirement years. Reason being, rates are still relatively low. You know, so as long as interest rates are relatively low, uh, you don't want to pay off a mortgage because you can leverage that money by investing it into the stock market. So I'll give you an example. So if you buy a home and you put 20% down, uh, you're not paying PMI. So you're putting yourself in the best position to get the best terms on the mortgage. But putting anything additional down is not a huge savings. And here's why. So say your interest rate is 4.5% on a 30-year fixed mortgage. If you put an extra 100,000 down, you're saving 4.5% interest on that $100,000. So, so that's good. But if you took that 100,000 and put it into the stock market and you're making seven to 8% on that 100 grand, you're now making an extra spread of three, three and a half percent on that money versus paying it down on your mortgage. So you can leverage the mortgage and the lower rate on a mortgage by taking that extra money and investing it instead of paying it down on the loan. Now, if you took that money and went out and bought a boat or something, then you're not getting ahead. So if you're using that money to invest it, you are getting ahead. Um, so you know, leveraging a, a low interest rate loan like a mortgage, I think is the way to go. And for me personally, I'll keep a 30-year mortgage until we get to our retirement years. And then I will accelerate the payments on those loans and get them paid off within 12 months as we're coming into retirement, pulling from our investment accounts. But meanwhile, that whole period of time, we've been earning interest on that extra money instead of paying it down on the mortgage. Same thing with a 15-year mortgage. So 15-year mortgage, you're making a higher payment to pay the loan off faster. But instead of making that higher payment, if you took that extra thousand or two grand a month and stuck it into your brokerage account and earned seven or 8% interest on it, you're earning additional spread on that money versus paying it down on the, on the mortgage. So uh, one other point with that that I think is very important is that gives you additional liquid savings. So sometimes I see people who put all of their money into making extra payments on their mortgage 
and they've got a lot of equity in their home, which is great. And that's net worth, you know, so that that is like uh, like wealth that they've accumulated that's sitting in their home. But the problem is if they need to tap into that money, if they have a medical emergency or some, some kind of major issue that comes up, it's hard to get that money out of the home. Whereas if they had been putting that money into a brokerage account where it's earning interest, very easy to then transfer that money from the brokerage account to a checking account to use it in an urgent situation. So it gives you more stability the more liquid savings you have. The old adage, cash is king. Cash is always king, having that money available. So, so that's real estate. How, how do we save money and how do we accumulate that liquid savings over a period of time? And, and so it's back to having a systematic plan for saving every single month. So there's what's called the rule of 72. So if you take your average rate of interest and divide it by divide it into 72, that gives you the number of years it would take your money to double at that rate of interest. So at a rate of interest of 7.5%, which is about what the stock market, S&P 500, has averaged over the last 30 years, your money is going to double every 10 years. So if I threw 100000 into the stock market today and just let it marinate there for 10 years, it would turn into 200000 if I averaged 7.5% return without adding a single dollar to it over those 10 years. So that's that's called compounding interest. And that is the power of accumulating wealth, but it takes time for that money to build up. So it doesn't happen overnight. You know, if you're working on a 20, 25, or 30 year savings plan, and you're adding money into the market every single month for 20, 25, 30 years, that money triples plus over that period of time and becomes a huge amount of money but it's gotta be systematic and it's gotta be over a long period of time. So having that automatic deduction coming out of your checking account every month, even if you're starting at a small number, just building that habit of monthly systematic savings is how you get to the large wealth accumulation when you when you hit your retirement years. So I, I think everybody should set up an automatic distribution going into a brokerage account that comes out every single month and it's just systematized. A couple other things that we contribute to, 529 for our children. So I, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that I wanna be able to pay for our kids' college. That's part of, part of the legacy that I wanna provide for our children. So you can open up 529 college savings plan, which is operates similar to like a 401k or IRA where it's pre-tax contributions into the account. Um, and that money, uh, that, that money that you otherwise would have paid to the IRS, you're earning interest on it as it sits in the account. And then when your kids hit college age, you can pull that money out and use it for educational expenses, uh, for college tuition and board and all of that. And so, you know, we at, at once our kids were born, we set up those accounts right away. And we started with a small amount, just a few hundred dollars a month and let that go in every single month as an automatic ACH out of our checking account. I don't even think about it, it just happens. And now that money has accumulated into multiple tens of thousands of dollars and our kids are only five and seven years old. So that's a tax savings for you. It's also a way to help add legacy for your kids. So. Uh, that's just a few of the things that, that Danielle and I work on and, you know, I'd love to, to talk to you about that more. Feel free to reach out to me and, and hope you guys are doing well. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening. I, I hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable information out of it. You know, I, I want to help to educate others and, and help people grow their business and build wealth. And I can only do that with referrals and your help getting the word out about this podcast. So if, if you come across someone you think could benefit from this, please share it with them and, and would love to help them as well. And if there's nobody who comes to mind, a five-star review would go a long way in, in helping me to, to grow this podcast and grow the brand. So appreciate your support.